In the name of the true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. On April 3rd, 1968, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. gave his last speech at Mason Temple in Memphis, Tennessee. It's called, I've Been to the Mountaintop. You can actually uh, see it on YouTube. I highly recommend it. I watched it this week in preparation for this sermon, hoping that Dr. Martin Luther King would give me a word. His word on I've Been to the Mountaintop is one of solidarity and support for striking sanitation workers at the time. And near the end of his prophetic speech, Dr. King cites this parable before us this morning, the parable of the Good Samaritan. That's how I wound up on that YouTube video. What did King have to say about the parable of the Good Samaritan? Give me something, Dr. King. So we have a lawyer who wants to trip Jesus up, wants to trip him up. And he asks what it takes to live a true and a good life. That's always relevant, isn't it? Teacher, what does it take to live a good and a true life? Jesus asked this legal scholar before him, what does our law say? It's a Jewish man, the lawyer. Jesus is a Jewish man. It's our law. What does our law say? And the lawyer shows his skills, knows his precedent, has studied his case law. He knows just where to look. Love God with all that you have and love your neighbor as yourself. Exactly right, Jesus replied. Now, go and do it. But the lawyer wants to prove that he understands nuance and, you know, legal theory more adeptly than this traveling teacher who seems to be drawing these large crowds. Well, before I go and do it, the lawyer presses, how am I supposed to know who my neighbor is? Here's where King comes in. He says that Jesus takes the lawyer's philosophical question, what is it to live a good life? Who is my neighbor? He takes the philosophical question about the good life out of midair, takes it out of midair and places it on a dangerous road between Jerusalem and Jericho. King is good with words, isn't he? Places it on a dangerous road between Jerusalem and Jericho. And this road in Jesus's day was known as the Bloody Pass. It is steep, steeply downhill from Jerusalem to Jericho. So it Necessarily, the path is, is winding. So if you want to rob someone, it's easy to hide around a, around a corner. And we know that the priest and the Levite people who ought to know better, they know the law that God has given to God's people, but the priest and the Levite notice this man badly beaten, halfway to death, and they don't stop to help him. Instead, they cross on the other side of the road, you know, sort of put your head down and walk on the other side of the street. Uh, like we sometimes do in New York City, not just with the homeless, but even with each other sometimes, just, you know, uh, other side of the road, on we go. They walk by on the other side. And it's a man from a different tribe. It's a man from a different race. It's even an enemy from Samaria who sees the beaten man and draws near to him, draws near to him. In Jesus's story, it's a Samaritan of all people. Like, really, Jesus? His listeners would have thought. It's a Samaritan of all people who shows us the true and the good life. So, you know, proper religious people be warned. 
Sometimes it's others who show us the true and good life, to which all we should do is give thanks to God. The Spirit blows where it will. So here he is. And I like how King narrates the questions that might have gone through the priest and the Levite's minds and the question that went through the mind of the Samaritan. The question for the priest and the Levite is, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? What will happen to me? It's a dangerous road. It's the bloody pass. I have an appointment to get to. I might even be going to Jerusalem to work on legislation to create a better road, to make it safer for people. Who cares? Who knows? But the question is, what's it going to do? What will happen to me? For the Samaritan, the question is, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? I often think that a key thing in our life of discipleship, which is to say a life committed to the one who is truth and goodness made flesh, is to remember that it's not about me. It's not about me first. A life of faith is about God, Obviously, even though this reminds me of Evelyn Underhill once writing to the Archbishop of Canterbury, reminding the Archbishop of Canterbury before a church conference with priests, you know, that the interesting thing about religion is God. (laughs) So a life of faith is about God and neighbor. And it's about God's will coming alive in me as I personally engage with God and my neighbor. And that's the move that the Samaritan shows us. He makes it personal. He does not go to the other side of the road with his head down. Instead, he he pays attention to the other. He's moved with compassion, Luke tells us. Jesus tells us. He's moved with compassion, and he draws near. He gets off his animal, and he personally and practically cares for the man in need. Personally and practically cares for him. As I was getting ready for this week and as I was engaging this story, I was reminded of a a story in my own life with a a priest. He was a young priest. This was 10 years ago, and we were in Philadelphia at a conference. And this person, I don't remember his name, and I don't know what he's up to these days, but probably something good. Uh, He was maybe 25, 26 years old, about as young as you can be to be uh, ordained a priest. And we had a break in our conference schedule, and you know those conference schedules are always overscheduled, uh, but we had a break, and we were gonna go to the University of Pennsylvania's library because there were some rare religious books on display. So we were, you know, nerdy priests excited about this, uh, this display at UPenn's library, and as we made our way through the city and uh, through the campus to the library, we must have stopped half a dozen times, never mind my plans and the, you know, the sort of clock ticking. We must have stopped a half a dozen times. The first time was a person obviously in need. And this young man, this young priest, he reached into his pocket, handed a $10 bill to the person, shared a minute or two of conversation, and and then we moved along until we saw the next. And I sort of thought, oh, good on him. He had a $10 bill. I never carry cash. Um, Good on him. And, And then we meet the next person in need, and here's another 10. And again, and I mean literally half a dozen times in our short walk. And I've never forgotten that. Just a simple, practical way that he paid attention to the people in front of him. He was putting Jesus's uh, word into practice, putting his word into practice. 
And there's another anecdote I want to share with you. It happened just this week. I was going to get you know, lunch with a colleague um, just around the corner. And we saw someone who often attends our meal programs on Tuesday and Friday, but she's not been for some time. And she was kind of huddled by herself on the sidewalk. And our colleague saw her, looked with compassion, you know, thought of herself less and the other more. And if we were going to get a lunch from Neil's diner, so would she. So she wondered, if I don't stop to help this woman, what will happen to her today? So thinking of herself and her plans less, not less of herself, but of her plans and herself less, and the other more, our colleague took Jesus' words to the lawyer to heart. Go and do it. You know, some parables are harder to understand than others. This one's not that hard. Go and do it. You know, we can get stuck. We can get stuck like the lawyer in political theory and policy debate and try to justify ourselves with our nuance. Or we can take Jesus at his word. Go and do this. Love God, love your neighbor, and you will live. And don't get me wrong. It is so true that policies matter. Systemic change matters. It matters greatly. But we can't lose sight of the spiritual necessity of drawing near to the person right in front of us. It might be the person in the pew next to us, that person in our family who needs a little more attention, a friend or a person in these city streets, drawing near, paying attention. That's what staying close to Jesus means that we look and we have compassion, we pay attention. This is what makes the religious life difficult, not just this sort of pie-in-the-sky simplicity to make us feel good. We look with compassion and we enact the politics of the kingdom of God. It's that personal and practical help that's outward proof that we are near to the heart of God, that we're staying close to Jesus. And I want to end in this way. It turns out, because I think it's important, it turns out that caring for the other, it helps create the world that we want to live in too. So as true as it is, that spiritual insight I said earlier about it's not about me, that's still true. But the Good Samaritan is not just modeling uh, great sacrificial love, great self-offering. He is doing that but he's also creating the kind of world that he wants to live in too. It is about him and about the man beaten in the ditch. If he was you know, half dead in the ditch, he hopes that someone would pull him up and care for him in the same way. He's wanting to build God's kingdom for it to be more on earth as it is in heaven. So yes, it's an offering of sacrificial love, but it's about the kind of dream, God's dream that we want to come into this world that we are enacting. And it's, it's joyful and beautiful. It's shot through with the glory of God. It's not all just kind of white-knuckled sacrifice. It's about beauty and glory, goodness, truth. And friends, the good news for us this morning is that God in Christ is always drawing near to us.
always, at all times, God in Christ is drawing near to us in his great sacrament of the kingdom of God, the sacrament that's bringing heaven to earth. And the living Christ, the crucified and risen one, is drawing very near to you, looking at you with compassion and offering his healing love. It is Christ who is the good and true and eternal life at work in you. So be fed with his life, the life of the kingdom, and then go and do it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.